invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We were there last week. Yeah. Hallelujah. And in Luke 15, you know, how many of you know the, the, the trouble in this nation today is the church's fault? Because leaders don't pick followers. Followers pick leaders. And so the leaders that we have right now, if you don't like them, it's, it's because, but it, it's what the people wanted. And what the people want, it, what they want is only because they don't know Jesus. All they ever heard was religion. And when they think of church, they think of condemnation and some God sitting on a stone throne somewhere and pointing a finger instead of, for God so loved that he gave his only he, he, 317, nobody ever quotes that, but he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. The church did a great enough job of that. I didn't come to condemn the world, but to reconcile the world back to me, back to myself. So in Luke 15, I just think that there's some really good examples in there because we saw how he left the 99 to go after one, letting you know how valuable you are. When the coins got lost, he quit. she quit everything and searched out the one because to let you know how valuable you are. And then when he got to the prodigal son, it's not the story about a, a rebellious son, number one son, or a religious son, number two. It's about the third son, the son that's telling the story, the righteous son. And there's no condemnation. It's kind of like when you look at it, you know, he said, well, I don't, we don't want to go back into reteaching this, but we need to look at a couple of verses here. We need to look at verse 1 of Luke 15. Because this is the people that are going to come to church now. These are the people, they haven't had any religion, so they don't know to stay away from it. They're going to be coming looking for a move of God because nothing else is satisfactory to them. But it says, look, then drew near unto them the publicans and sinners. Well, the publicans were the tax collectors. And they were despised because they would take 20% from you for, for, for the Roman government and another 20 or 30 for themselves and put them in their pockets. So when it says publicans and sinners, what it means is that these guys... And Matthew was one of them, by the way. These guys could only hang out with prostitutes because no one else, because they were despised in Israel. They wouldn't even walk, they'd move across the street rather than walk past the tax collector. So, so despised people. But look at this. Then drew near unto him all the public and sinners for to hear him. He attracted, he had an, they were attracted to him because they didn't see they didn't see the, the, the fault finding. They didn't see that. They didn't know that. But look at the next verse. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. See, the, the, right in there you get the, you get, you get the, the, the sinner you, or you get the religious person and you get people that are seeking reality. Remember this verse. Remember this so that when people come in that aren't just like you, you're not going to look down your nose at them, right? Yeah. Matter of fact, you're going to love on them. Like, like people need to be attracted to us like they were with Jesus. Not feeling any judgment or nothing. You've been doing something wrong. Well, you know, why does the scorpion sting? 
is a scorpion, right? Like sin or sin, because they have a sin nature. They got it from Adam, but there's a new nature that you get from Christ. You get grace from him, and grace empowers you to live a supernatural life, right? So, but but now his... Because this is known as the prodigal chapter, there's also a prodigal chapter in in the book of Jeremiah. Did you know that? Jeremiah 31 is called the prodigal chapter. And um, I want to read verse 15. Actually, verse 15 can be found in Matthew chapter 2 as well. It's in the middle of Jesus coming to the earth to save us. In the middle of all that, in Matthew chapter 2, there's a story about Rachel weeping over her children and refusing to be comforted. And so when you read that, it refers you back to Jeremiah 31, the prodigal chapter. And let's look at what it says. Are you there? Jeremiah 31, 15. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, a lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. She refused to be comforted. And, but, you know, how, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit's called the comforter? And he, Jeremiah 6, or Jeremiah, John 6, 63 says that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so you want to live in life, you get a hold of God's word and live it. Let's look at what look at what the Lord says here in the next verse. Thus says the Lord. And now this is a word for today. It's in the New Testament as well. This is a word for today. Because some of y'all don't even know where your kids are. Some of them your kids aren't are acting goofy. My son up here doing praise and worship. Ten years he was ten years he was acting goofy. <laughs> This is slight improvement now. No, no, no. no. <laughs> that was a pharisaical attitude. Forgive me. Okay. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping. And, 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 and this is what you need to do. And your eyes from tears. Why? Because your work shall be rewarded, said the Lord. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in your end, says the Lord, that your children shall come again to their own borders. Amen. You know, I've got that over a bunch of backslidden Christians that, that used to attend here that are out there now not doing anything. I pray that they'll get apprehended by the love of God. And that when they come back to church, no one will say, well, where have you been? Oh, God. <laughs> Instead of just welcome home. Another cool thing in that prodigal chapter in Luke 15 that I really enjoy is when the prodigal son came home, you know, smelling like a pig pen, and, 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 the prodigal, and the father never said, you know, go get cleaned up, boy, and come to the house. He took him right up to the house. And then when the older brother came in from the field, what did he hear? The music and the dancing. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. What, he, what the people in the world need to hear is the music and the dancing in the presence of the Lord. Amen. That's it. That's it. Welcome home. Welcome home. Not where you've been. What have you been up to? How much money did you spend on the prostitutes? <laughs> No, but that's Luke 15 too. The Pharisees murmured and complained. 
Hallelujah. No, no. <laughs> and again, Romans, uh, Romans 5, he l- loved you. Verse 8, he loved you while you were a sinner to, to die for you. Now much more that you've been justified by his blood. Justified by his. I like the fact he's justified by his blood because it requires nothing of me. Amen. One thing that's required of me is to believe. Amen. The Christian life is impossible. As long as you know that, you understand why the law was given to let you know it's impossible to do all that. They had, again, they had 613 laws, and they focused so much on the law, they couldn't even think about anything else. Oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. How, you, how could you enjoy your life? The life that, like Nancy said, came and you might have life and have it more abundantly. There's no, there's no life in the law. But yet in John 8 and verse 32, he said, if you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What's the truth? I was hoping you'd ask. Over in Romans 1.16, we looked at it last week, but this is repetition because I realize when I read Facebook, most people ain't getting this at all. <laughs> Not even hearing it. Zing, zing. No, no, but it's kind of like in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the Lord says, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Not natural, so there's not something I can do for myself. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? Anything that has a stronghold on you is a stronghold. But then he says, casting down imaginations. God gave you an imagination. He made it so that you could create. He made it so that you could imagine all the good things. But if you sit around and imagine, he said, casting down imaginations, he's going to tell you what the imaginations are. Anything that exalts itself against the truth of God's word is a bad imagination. I mean, in Joshua 1 verse 8, he said, meditate my word day and night. You will make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. He said, you're thinking the wrong stuff. And, and, you know, and this is something else you need to know. How you think is how you feel. I mean, you can't have a negative day if you have an, unless you have a negative thoughts. Right? Like, this is the day that the Lord has made, uh, Philippians 4.4. 4. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. And Paul the Apostle said that locked in jail. So surely on a Sunday morning, sitting in church, I can say this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm rejoicing. And rejoice gets you, gives you the kind of gives you the idea that you might have had some joy before. Rejoice. Crank it up. Imagine yourself happy. Imagine yourself free. Imagine yourself prosperous. Imagine yourself healthy. All of those, those are good imaginations. So he said, casting down imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing your thought life into captivity to obey the word. So don't just let your mind wander. It's like I said before, if you're not controlling your thoughts, then somebody is. You know, you're not having random thoughts. And then in Matthew chapter 6, it says, negative thoughts will come, but it says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we put on? The thoughts can come, but they don't become yours until you speak life to them. 
Because whatever you speak life to grows in your life. If you want something to die in your life, shut up. No, no, the negative stuff has to stop. You know, I'm reading Facebook and somebody's saying, well, yeah, and that's the way I am too. And I'm thinking, dear God Almighty, do they ever listen in church? And the answer, there's no condemnation. It's just, you know, he that hath an ear to hear. They all had ears on. <laughs> Come on. No, no, but you've got to understand how good God is. Do we go to Romans chapter 1? Because in Romans chapter 1, there's a definition of the gospel. It's kind of like, you know, John the Baptist was called John the Baptist because they didn't trans translate the word baptize. It's really John the Immerser. Well, they didn't translate the gospel either. We know that it's good news from the battlefield, and we've heard all kinds of definitions. But the best definition that you can get from the word of God is what's, what the word says about it. Doesn't that make sense that God could give you the best definition? Right. So here's what he says. He, he says, I'm not ashamed of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then verse 17 tells you why it has power. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed. In other words, he, God, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we'd be made the righteousness of God in him. You are the righteousness of God today. The revelation of that has to hit you. You got to get this. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed. And then it tells you how to do it. From faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He hadn't, he, he hadn't done anything except believe to, to receive. You got to believe. You, you, you need this in your life. You are the righteousness of God. You are right even when you're wrong. Your righteousness doesn't change. Never changes. You can't be any more righteous by acting better. Did you know that? Matter of fact, if you try to act better, it'll get worse. No, you can't do it. You can just I can't do this. This is supernatural. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and to the saints which are in Ephesus, and to the faithful that are in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you, you dirty scumbags, <laughs> you egg-sucking dogs. No, is that what it says? Grace. <laughs> grace. Grace be unto you, and peace be unto you. Come on, he's the Prince of Peace. If you're not experiencing peace, get over in it. He said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace, give I. So you've got supernatural peace. What do you mean supernatural? Romans 14, 7, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink or some kind of ritual, but it's righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's all in the Holy Ghost. Like when we read through the book of Romans and the first eight chapters, first seven chapters, you know, it, the Holy Spirit's only mentioned once. But when you get to Romans chapter eight, he's mentioned 19 times to let you know that this is a supernatural way to live. You're not going to live out of your flesh. 
You can't do this in your flesh, okay? All right. Are you okay with that? Well, whether you're or not. <laughs> Grace and peace from God the Father in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has already blessed us with all the spirituals in the heavenlies in Christ. You've already got it all. It's like my daughter one time, it was many years ago, and, and I told her I didn't have the money to do something. She said, well, Dad, just use your debit card. She thought that was a magical card that you could just put in the machine and money would come out. And sometimes I would sweat it, wondering, hope, hoping that the 20 would come. <laughs> None of you ever lived like that, but, but I, I have been there. I have been there. Hallelujah. But, but look at this. He's already blessed us. So then how do I make a withdrawal? The just shall live by faith. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to believe him because number one, you must believe that he exists. And number two, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Notice it's the word rewarder. He's a rewarder. He, 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 he would like to reward you. He would like to bless you. Okay. Verse, verse four. According that he has. Now, faith is always now. He's already done this. If you try to put faith in the future, it violates the law of faith. The law of faith is found in Romans 3.27. It's the law of faith. And so it works Every time. And you don't have to feel it to be in faith. You use the word of God to put yourself. The words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they are life. You speak the word, oh, I felt such an anointing. You don't feel anything half the time. It's not about feeling. You just do it. You just do it. And it's a law like gravity. You can depend on it. Has chosen us in him. When? Before, when did he pick you out? When? Before the foundation of the world. That you would be holy. Look at this. Look at this. That you would be holy and without blame in him in love. Oh, I've just got to be a better Christian. You can't be a better Christian. Just be a believing one. Don't be a making believing one. Just believe God. Then you're free. Don't you know? Then you're free. When you don't care what anybody thinks, when you're not trying to impress anybody, I, I'm not talking about, you know, careless, but I'm talking about you can live carefree when you're not trying to impress anybody. You don't need to impress. You, you're already the righteousness of God in Christ. How much more? What, what more do you want to be than that? And so you don't have to put other people down to lift yourself up or, or you don't have to judge other people or anything. You, I'm telling you, when you stop all that, you can just laugh your way through life. It don't matter what they're doing. I remember when they were cutting me open here to put the pacemaker and I could feel it. They were supposed to hit me under anesthetic, but it wasn't enough. But I wouldn't stop them, Cyril, because I didn't want them to stop. I had waited for months for them to do it. I'm saying, cut away, boys. Like, you know, but you, but yeah, but because you're a Christian, you don't care. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Come on now. Right on there. <laughs> yeah. And come back in a couple of years. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, but it's, it's just, 
It's, when there's no fear, it's like, do I get the vaccine or don't I get the vaccine? Just do what brings you peace. But whatever you do, don't be motivated by fear, right? You know, my Bible tells me in Luke 10, 19, that I can tread upon the serpent and scorpion over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Then it tells me in Luke, Mark 16, 8, 18, that I can drink a deadly thing and it won't harm me. So if I need to take a vaccine, I'm not allowed to take a vaccine right now anyway because I'm on prednisone. That's what makes my head swell up like this. You wonder, well, I don't have a swelled head. It's just swelled up because... because, because no, I looked at it on TV one day, and I said, that's why it feels like I'm shaving a pumpkin every morning. <laughs> no, the prednisone is an antibiotic, and it, you know, my shirts, I, I get shirts now that won't fit me anymore, because I'm not working out. I haven't worked out in six months. Anyway, so, brief, brief commercial. Uh, <laughs> chose us in him. He was pregnant with you before the foundation of the world. And he gave birth and wrapped skin around it and called it you. He birthed a miracle and called it you. And he's for you, not against you. And again, we always need to remember Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. You know, he said he will never leave me, never forsake me, so that I can boldly say, God is on my side. I will not fear. I will not fear. It's my will not to be afraid. Amen. Amen. So you can, you, you know, believe, believe Habakkuk 2.14, that the greatest revival that ever happened on this planet is about to happen, and his glory will cover the earth just like Noah's waters covered the sea. One wave brought destruction. The next wave is bringing salvation. And when the floods, a flood will go into every house. The flood will go where it wants to. You, you know, you can't keep it out of houses. And when, the, when it breaks its banks, God's going to have a move like you never saw. And they're coming and we're not going to be the elder brother out in the field. We're living like a... You know, the thing about the older brothers, he was trying to serve his father. His father said, I never wanted you to serve me. All I ever have is yours. I got angels to serve me. I don't need you to serve me. I need you up at the house with me. I, I, I want you to come up and hang out with me. You know, spend your time hanging out with God, not trying to please him, to him that's already pleased. <laughs> Verse 5. Having predestinated... Well, that simply means to determine beforehand or to ordain a destiny to lead to a goal. So having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to, the, look at this, according to the good pleasure of his will. He got happy bringing you into the house. And when it talks about adoption, it's it's we us uh, we us. Um, it's anyway, son. It's son placing, and so it it doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden you've been adopted into the family. No, it means that you've gotten to the place where you've reached bar mitzvah, and so you, you, so you've you've matured enough. You, you see, you you have to. You're, you have to have an identity before you receive an inheritance. Amen. Once you identify yourself, yes. then he identifies you. Right. Yes. 
It's kind of like Jacob over in uh, Genesis 32. Remember, he wrestled all night with an angel. And, um, and then finally, the angel said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jacob. I'm the chiseler. I'm the cheat. And when he confessed that, Amen. the next thing that Lord said to him was, no, you're not going to be called that anymore. Your name is Israel. You're a prince with God. How about Matthew 16? Who do, they, who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Bar, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. He got a revelation. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you. And you'll no longer be called Simon Barjona, the, the reed spruce shaking in the wind. He said, You're going to be called Peter, a, a rock, a chip off the old block. Now, he was called that a long time before he learned to walk it out, but God changed his name at that time because he identified Jesus. Jesus identified him. Again, it's kind of like in Luke chapter 5, you read about Peter, and he fished all night and caught nothing. And when he got that big catch of fish, he said to Jesus, depart from me. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm an, un, I'm an unclean man. Because he hadn't gotten into the grace of God yet, but in Romans chapter, in John chapter twenty-one, when he fished all night, and Jesus, and he identified Jesus, he swam ashore to get with him because he was no longer under the law, but walking in the grace. He swam ashore. He he didn't he didn't get all condemned again. He realized, hey, this is a part of my inheritance. This is this this is coming to me because of whose I am. Hallelujah. Verse 6 of Ephesians 1 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he, look at this, wherein, is that in your Bible? He has made you accepted in the beloved? Then what are you, what are you trying to do? I can tell the story because Bruce and Melinda were there the time that I was up in behind Dave in Kelly Sheen's house walking in the apple orchard up there. And I know I told this story before, but this is my half hour, so, so it's okay. So I'm walking through this apple orchard, and the Holy Ghost said, do you see these trees? I said, well, yeah, like I'm in, a, I'm in a, a, an orchard. Of course I see the trees. I wasn't saucy about it, but, you know, it was an obvious thing. And, um, and they were all blossomed up, and it was a real beautiful day. He said, what are they doing? I said, I said they're not doing anything. He said, no, but they're planted in the ground, they're just planted there, and the seasons come, and the blossoms come, and then the apples come, and then the harvest comes, and they didn't do anything. Somebody came along years before that and pulled out the stumps, dug up the rocks, and planted the orchard. And I can tell you how many seeds are in an apple, but I have no idea how many apples are in a seed. And so the little thing that you plant into the kingdom of God, you have no idea, no idea how it multiplies. But the deal is you can't do it. You don't, it's not required of you. That's why Hebrews 4.11, I'm going to give it to you again. He said, the only labor that a Christian is to be involved in is to labor to enter into my rest. Matthew 11.28 through 30, you know, he, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Come unto me when you're weary and heavy laden, and I'll make you work. Come unto me when you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 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 If you're not resting, you're struggling with something. 
Learn to rest in the kingdom of God. You don't, you're not earned in brownie points with God. You, you, you can't, if you could have earned it, he didn't have to go to Calvary. Yeah. Right. Amen. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption. How? How did the redemption come? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of the glory of his grace. Do you have any idea? It didn't say out of the riches of his glory. It said according to. In other words, all the grace that he has is yours. It can be multiplied unto you, Peter said. Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of him who's called you unto glory and virtue. But, but the multiplication only comes from revelation. You've got it all right now. Like you've got Ephesians 1, 3 now. All of the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. The, how it comes now is by revelation. That's why when you continue on here in Ephesians chapter 1, he'll say, I pray for you that you receive wisdom and revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is apocalypsis. It means to split the veil between the seen and the unseen, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, that you would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you'd know the exceeding greatness of his power that works toward you as you believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought upon Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly. Far above all principality, all power, all might, and dominion, and every name that is named only in this world, but that which is to come. Placed all things under his feet, made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And the fullness of him. The fullness. He said, my desire is the fullness of me will fill you. Then you get to chapter 2 and verse 6, and he says, he made you to be seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Take your seat. That's how am I going to serve God? Take your seat. What's he want you to do? Sit down. Don't struggle. Why does he want you to sit down? Because you're seated in heavenly places with him. He wants you to sit there with him. He wants you to hang out with him. And in his presence is fullness of joy. They heard the music and the dancing coming from the house. That's the biggest revelation of Luke 15. They didn't hear judgment, a bolt of lightning, thunder, glory to God, the wrath of God coming upon everybody. They heard the music and they heard the dancing. They heard the music. They heard the dancing. Then they realized, you know what? We didn't know God in the Old Testament. It took the Son to reveal the Father. It took the Son to reveal the Father. This was a progressive revelation. And when I got into the when I got into the letters that Paul wrote, the Son became so real to me. When I heard Jesus teach, and he said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost of power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I can't find I can't it's anyway. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, let's look again at Galatians. Just back up a couple pages to Galatians chapter 4. How many of you all got turkeys in the oven? No, I need to know because I could go to two. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. 
That was going to follow you home, that's all. Some of y'all need to stop putting all those meals on Facebook. I'm trying to lose some weight, and you're not helping me at all. James Cairn's guilty. Big time. Yeah. Paul and Stephanie Dorrington, come on. No, no, they were just doing restaurants. Now they're doing pizza at home. You don't think we notice. I gained five pounds just looking at some of the stuff you're eating. Hallelujah. I just want you all to know I'm going to be hunting you down when, when, when the oxygen hits my brain. It's my brain. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> no, no, but can you imagine? I, I find that shocking to think that I'm only getting 40% of the blood I need going to my brain. You know, and I'm quoting scriptures all day long. But, but, but some, yeah, but that's, that's, that only God can do that. That, that, that ought to be a sign and a wonder unto you. <laughs> yep, that's definitely the Lord. That boy doesn't even operate on 40% of his brain. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's it. We are theos. It's son placing. <laughs> We are starts with an H, H U I O S, and it's 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 sonship. Like you can be a technon, you can be a child. When you get to be a weos, it's somebody that's ready for a full inheritance. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And because you are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You're my dad. My natural dad wasn't all that good, but this is not my natural dad. This is who my dad should have been. Right? So when he's talking about father, he's talking about not, not talking about your father. He's talking about the father that you should have had, that he wants to be now. So anything that your father was not, he is. And he emphasizes it by saying, Abba, father, father, father. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Wherefore you are no longer a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. So when they got bar mitzvah, they put on a toga verilis to identify the fact that they had moved from technon, from a child, into sonship. But we put on Christ. We're not under the law anymore. We're under him. Hallelujah. So with that in mind, let's go back to Romans 8. 
we are going to get through the book of Romans someday. But it's so, I don't want to move it fast. It's so rich. And of course, Romans 8, I, I really like Romans 8, the way that it starts out, because, because it starts out with a therefore. And uh, when there's a therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. And so it's referring to the first seven chapters. And in the last part of chapter 7, Paul was having, he was having a bad day. He said, what, you know, he said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I always find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver, who will deliver me from such a thing as this? And then we jump into verse, see, because there shouldn't have been a chapter separation there. And then we see there is therefore now. And we looked at, so we looked at the word now, and, and it's always now. It's always present. So when you say now, it means now. Now there is therefore now no condemnation. And when it means no condemnation, it means there's nothing. Now there's nothing against you. When? Now. Now there's nothing against you. Yeah, but you don't know, I, I, had a, I had an argument with my wife earlier today. Now there's nothing against me. Well, maybe my wife, but now... <laughs> No, no, I'm only kidding. But I'm saying, you, you know, because I have, I've had days when I got it perfect, and uh, usually I slept through it all. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not my goal anymore. It used to be my goal to get a perfect day in. It didn't matter anymore. No performance. That doesn't mean I'm going to go around and be rude to everybody or anything. I realize that there's integrity that has to be involved. But, but, but again, it's, you know, he said that he would make the changes. Yes. Right? Hallelujah. Okay. He said, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Or live a, they don't live after the flesh anymore. They're after the spirit. Let's drop down to verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We could say it this way, for as many are the, are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. It works that way. In other words, I'm not being led by my flesh. I'm not being led by my five senses. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What did you do right? What did you do wrong? I, I, my, my Bible tells me that I owe no man nothing but to love you. I love you. It doesn't matter how you're acting. My response is still the same. Matter of fact, I need to love you more when you're ugly than when you're not, right? I need to give you the grace to make mistakes, to, to grow, to mature. Like, you know, I remember when my daughter was young, she wanted the car keys, but we couldn't give them to her. She had to mature to that place where we could trust her with the, the car keys. And now she's got an Audi TT and she drives like a maniac, but she's the only. But yeah, but she's the only woman. I'm telling you, she's the only woman that I can go to sleep while she's driving. I could get in trouble for that statement. Oh yeah. Come on, some of you men would only admit it. You keep one eye on the road when your wife's driving. Some of you don't even let your wife drive. So come on. <laughs> Okay, let's change the subject quickly. Here. 
Verse 15 again. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So that tells me that if I'm in fear, I'm living by my flesh, not by, not by my faith. If I've got fear and anxiety, there's something that I'm seeing besides the word of God. Besides, I will never leave you, never fail you, never forsake you. I'm seeing something else. You know, and so am I going to react to it or am I going to respond with the word of God? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations, the things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Bring your thought life into captivity. Don't allow your mind to wander unless you're imagining good things. Imagine praying hands, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. That's what your imagination is for. He said, not a spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, there it is again. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and joint heirs, and I pointed this out to you a couple of weeks ago, joint heirs simply means there's two signatures required on the paycheck. And so you have a part to play, and he has a part to play. And your part is to receive by faith whatever he's promised you. And his part is to deliver it. So you get the easy part. It's your part to believe, and it's his job to perform. It's kind of like what, no, but it's kind of like what Abraham said in, in Romans chapter 4. He said, I have become, see, here's the, now, here's the definition of faith. We gave you the definition of, God, of good, the gospel, good news. The definition of faith is found in Romans chapter 4. He said, I am fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform. That's, that's what faith looks like. I'm fully persuaded. How did he get fully persuaded? You know, the Bible says that he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. But when you read your Bible, you find out that he staggered all over the desert for 30 years until he got until he grew into that place. It's like Joshua going in and dividing up the promised land. God told him how to do it in, in chapter 1. Every place the sole of your foot will trade upon, I've already given it unto you. But it took him 31 years to get the job done. It took them 40 years in the wilderness, and they never ever got out. Two guys got out. Two guys out of three million got out because they wouldn't refuse to walk by faith, and they kept walking by sight. Those giants in the land were not able to, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. That was, see, their identity was wrong. How can you receive an inheritance when your identity is wrong? When you see yourself as a grasshopper, you'll never kill a giant. That's right. But yet Caleb said, these guys are bred for us. I'm going to, I eat giants. <laughs> no, that's what he was saying. He said, I eat giants. Giants are nothing for me. And then 45 years later, he waited. He said, Give me my mountain. The giants are still there, and I'm going to get them. Come on, because that's faith. That's how faith works. So again, two paychecks, joint heir with Christ. So if so be that we suffer with him, we also may be glorified together with him. You got time for one more definition? Yes. Okay, glory. Um, Genesis chapter 31. Now, in the book of Genesis, in Hebrew language, there is a law called the law of first reference. And every time that you see a word used for the very first time, the essence of that will be found all through the rest of Scripture. 
And so people ask, what's the glory? Uh, you know, my Bible tells me that he came to restore many sons back to glory, that his glory will cover the earth as Noah's waters cover the sea. What is this glory? Well, I was hoping you'd ask. Genesis 31 and verse 1. And this was Jacob had worked. Now, Jacob had worked for 20 years for Laban. He, you know, he, he worked seven years to get his first wife, uh, Leah. But then, then Laban fooled him because he sowed that early in his life when he deceived Esau. So now he's reaping a harvest of that. And now he's got somebody else deceiving him, right? That's why you need to confess your sin. You don't want it to come back on you. <laughs> oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> Dig up that seed. Amen. Right. Okay. But anyway, and so, so he's been there 20, 20 years. And his mother had told him uh, that he'd only be there a few days. But in God's economy, it is a few days. It's long enough for him to work out his purpose in you. So if you don't like what you're going through, cooperate with God and get through it in a hurry. Now, if you're going through hell, don't stop. And don't spend your time complaining. Stop. Spend your time worshiping. Yes. Worship God. You'll get through it. So anyway, after 20 years, he's, he left. He left Laban, and he's heading for home, heading to go patch it up with Esau. And, and then this is what, this is what uh, verse 30, uh, chapter 31, verse 1, And they heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that our fathers had, that which our father had, he's gotten all his glory. And so if you know the story, I'm not going to go back in the story, but, you know, basically Jacob gathered up all the flocks that were of any value and, and took them off. And so this is what the glory means. It's, it's the word kabod, and it means the essence of his being. It wasn't just all of his wealth. It was his identity. His identity was the big shepherd over, over you know, where he lived there. And, and, he, and Jacob took it all. He took it all because he had ripped Jacob off for 20 years. Jacob says, you know, if I was out in the night with the frost all over me protecting your sheep and one died, it was my responsibility to replace it. He said, you've, he said, in 20 years, you've changed, changed my wages 10 times. How many of you know that was not a raise? How would, how would you like to work for a guy that, you know, I, I got some news for you. You, you. This is your paycheck for this week is half the size it was last week. That's what was happening to him. So he finally, God left him to go. And he took all of his substance, all of his power, all of his presence, all of his anointing. And this is what's happening for you and I. He said, the captain of our salvation being made perfect through suffering came to restore many sons back to glory. Really, it's back to his original intent, back to the garden, back to where everything was already supplied for you. There was no struggle in the garden. Matter of fact, in Genesis 2 and verse 1, it's when they began their day, and it was the Sabbath day. So Adam and, Adam and Eve started out in the Sabbath of rest. Amen. And he wants you to rest. And we would like you to rest. Hallelujah. And I think I'll stop now. But if you need prayer for anything, we'd like to pray with you.
Hallelujah. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed. You are the righteousness of God. If you're a born-again believer, you are the righteousness of God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.